Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. Hey, girlfriends, this is Shug Burry here, Women's Hot Topics. I got to tell you, this is the best women's radio show there is. So you dialed into the right one. I'm so excited about our guest today. We have Mr. Ray Comfort with us. Thank you, Ray, for joining us. Pleasure. Absolute. Please listen to part one, guys. You can hear his bio and everything that he's got going on. But I'm just going to touch on a couple of things. He's got a YouTube channel that is called Living Water, that you can find at livingwaters.com with 189 million views. Why do they have that many views? Because it's creative. I mean, get your attention. Different ways that you can share uh, the gospel with people. He also had co-hosted with Kirk Cameron, an award-winning Way of the Master, airing in over 200 countries, producer of a number of award-winning movies that have been seen by millions. But you guys, I'm so excited about my bucket list guest, who is Ray Comfort. On the first show, we talked about hell's best kept secret. And you know, if hell has a secret, you all better listen to that first one, because you know that Satan doesn't want you to know. So tune into that first show. And today we're going to be talking about some meat. We're going to be talking about the meat of two of his books that he's got out there. Why would anybody follow Jesus? And 12 reasons to trust what the Bible says about Jesus. And the second book is called How to Be Free from the Fear of Death. And I know a lot of people who are so afraid of dying, and I can't wait to get into that topic with them. But before I do, Ray, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Tell me, we talked about invitations. Now, what an invitation is, is you share with somebody, and then you give an opportunity to let's bow our heads, let's ask Jesus into our heart. They also call it the sinner's prayer. Why Why are you not that crazy about using that when you're starting to share with other people? Well, the, the normal imitation prayer, the sinner's prayer, is where someone repeats after you a prayer of apology to God for violating his commandments. Well, not really. It's just to ask Jesus into your heart. Um, if a man has committed adultery against his wife, should you take him to apologize to her? When she comes to the door, she says, what's up? So uh, Eric's here. He's committed adultery. He wants to apologize. Eric, say this after me. Dear wife, I'm so <laughs> sorry that I committed adultery. Where you go, Eric? And be sincere. She's going to say, what are you talking about? Can't he talk for himself? What are you leading him a, an apology for? She'd get upset. And so when a sinner has sinned against God, we shouldn't have to lead him in a prayer of apology to God because he can't apologize for himself because that's what repentance is. It's an apology. It's contrition. It's being sorry for what you've done. Lord, I've lied and I've used your name as a cuss word. I've stolen. I've done things that are wrong. Please forgive me. And so it's erroneous and quite foolish to lead someone in a sinner's prayer. It's unbiblical. And what it does is create false converts. And not only that, it's used in in concordance with a, a manipulative practice of using music to play on people's emotions, eyes closed, head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking at you, raise your hand, accept Jesus. There's nothing in the Bible like that. 
What should happen is that someone should just go to the Lord and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Please wash me clean of my sins, as David did in Psalm 51. So I haven't used a sinner's prayer, and I did use it as a new Christian in my ignorance. I led, uh, I think, 28 of my friends to the Lord and 27 backslid. They didn't slide backwards because they didn't slide forward in the first place. And so I have abandoned that, and now I just leave it between them and God. I share the gospel, pray with them, and say, you get before the Lord and repent. Trust in Jesus, and God will save you. You've got his promise on that. So I'm guilty as well. Um, you know, I've, I've done the sinner's prayer with thousands of people, and that's because I usually speak to the masses, and it's my error, and I really appreciate what you say. It makes total sense. So at the end, when you're done sharing about, uh, about Christ and about our sinful state, do you then just say a covering prayer over them, or what exactly does that look like? Do you just end it and say, well, let's hope he goes and prays and talks to God? Now, usually I, when I see someone's got contrition, that is, they're genuinely sorry, they've got a tear in their eye, and they're saying, yeah, I really, this is making sense, I understand what you're saying, Christ died for me. I say, may I pray with you? They say, yes, that'd be great. So I pray that God would open their eyes, the, under, the eyes of their understanding, that they'd pass from death to life this day, they'll be born again. And then I uh, pray for their health and strength, their family, whatever. And then I give them a gospel of John. We've got a gospel of John that we give out Um or a uh, the Bible's four Gospels. But even if I didn't give them a Bible to read, I'm not too concerned because God is who saves people. And if you read the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, um, the Ethiopian eunuch was left without follow-up. The Spirit of God whisked uh, Philip away and left the Ethiopian eunuch in the desert. We say, oh, how could he survive? All he had was God and the scriptures. Well, if God has begun a good work in him, he'll complete it to that day. So that's my confidence. Sometimes on YouTube, people will write in the comments, um, could you follow up this young lady you prayed with? And i got to say, look, I'm a married man. This young lady's not going to mm-hmm. want me following her, wanting a phone number or an email <laughs> address. It's not, it's not healthy. And often people in Huntington Beach where I preach or where I witness or we film, uh, they're tourists from all around the world, and I can't follow them. So my confidence is that God follows them. He's there wherever they go, and he's the one that saves you know, amen for that. And you guys have got to go to that website, livingwaters.com. I want to make sure you watch some of his YouTubes. You see how they're highlighted. You can subscribe to it as well. So when new one comes up, you can, you know, continue to watch it as well. Um, so let me ask you this question. And um, a lot of people, and I know that we're using God's word um, to convict the hearts, but a lot of people don't believe in God's word. They don't believe in scripture. What type of approach do you take with them? Yeah, if I meet someone who doesn't believe in the words of Jesus, I immediately think to myself, this is an unsaved person. This is someone who's not regenerated. They're not trusting in God. And, you know, faith is the essence of our uh, our walk with the Lord. Um, we live by faith. You say to your wife, uh, honey, I don't trust you. You're going to be sleeping on the couch. You say that to your boss, you might be out of a job. You know, when we fly by planes, we trust the, the pilot. We trust our doctors. We trust brain surgeons. We trust the person on the other side of the, the yellow line when we're driving that they don't come across on our side. So the whole of humanity lives by some sort of faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. If I said to you, I don't have faith in you, it means I think you're a liar. And the scriptures say if we have no faith in God or his promises, we, we accuse him of lying. Uh, let, let none of you depart from the living God through an evil heart of unbelief. So faith is the first principle, not a belief in God's existence, but a trust in his integrity. And there's a very big difference. 
You know, on our YouTube channel, we see atheists backslide again and again. There's so many videos of atheists changing their mind because of this one question. So if you've got someone who is an unbeliever, heart and heart, they call themselves an atheist, just ask them this one question. Say, do you really believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? And they'll think for a minute for the first time in their lives, and they'll say, oh, no, I don't believe that nothing created everything. There has to be something that made everything. Nothing couldn't do it. And say, well, you're not an atheist. You're an agnostic. You don't know if God exists. And let's see if we can find out why you don't want it to be God, and you find it's a moral issue and not an intellectual issue. So the atheist cannot have a relationship with God while he doesn't believe God's promises, not a denial of his existence, that's just foolishness, but a denial of God's character and nature, accusing God of being a liar. That's what will hinder people from coming to Christ. So it's very important that everybody understands that you cannot please God without trust in his promises and believing in his word. Mm, amen. And, you know, an analogy I use once in a while, which I heard a long time ago from you guys as well, was, you know, God writes his law on our hearts. And so there's no question, you know, if I were if you were to earn money to buy this great big gigantic 50 inch screen TV and I came in and stole it, you would be mad. You would be angry because God writes on our hearts. Do not steal. And I know it's a simple little uh, analogy, but it works. It worked for me in Tel Aviv when I was speaking to some people there as well. But, you know, that's how God writes on our hearts. We know him. We love him. We know his voice. But the impact is through God's word and his scripture and that conviction. You wrote two amazing books lately. Why would anybody follow Jesus? 12 reasons to trust what the Bible says about Jesus. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Well, I haven't read that one. Um, <laughs> it's just come out. Um, you know, never a man spoke like Jesus spoke. Those that heard him were aghast at what he said because it was so radical. I mean, you think about it. I think C.S. Lewis said he's either an insane man or someone who's an imbecile on the level of man who thinks he's a, a poached egg or he's God in human form. Because not everyone went through life saying things like this. Marvel not, for the hour is coming when all that are in their graves shall hear my voice. That's a crazy thing to say. And then he said they're going to be raised from the dead because I'm going to speak to them. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Everybody dies. What does that mean? And so when I talk to unbelievers, I, I say, do you know the message of the Bible? I say, oh, not really. Kind of a history book. So let me give you a synopsis and see what you think. The Old Testament, God promised to destroy death. And in the New Testament, tells us how he did it. And they go, oh, say, do you know what God did? They say, no. So well, let me share with you how you can overcome the power of death. Are you interested? Most people say, yeah, yeah, because they've got a fear of death. They've got a will to live. They're not like a dog or a cat or a horse or a cow. They're made in God's image with a will to live. God's written eternity upon their heart. And so that's the key to reaching so many of the lost. Think of how a waitress approaches a table with three businessmen sitting at it. They're ripped, three-piece suits, important-looking cases. They're wheeling and dealing millions of dollars. What does she do? Stand back and say, oh, I can't interrupt these important businessmen. No, she walks up and says, can I take your order? And they say, yeah, sure. Why is she bold? Because she knows she has what they want. Mm -hmm. They're there to eat. So she's bold. And you and I have what this world wants. They want to live forever. They don't want to die. They're fearful of death. 
So that knowledge that we have what the world wants should make us bold like that waitress. And that's what happened at the woman, with the woman at the well. Jesus was bold with her. She'd been living in adultery. He spoke about her sins, but began by saying, if you knew who was speaking to you, you'd ask of him, and he'd give you living water, <clears throat> water that could cause you to live forever. And so as Christians, we've got to believe in our product, so to speak, that we have the perfect product in Jesus Christ. Never a man spoke like this man. He spoke the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. With one sweep of his hand, he swept all the great religions out of the way because they can't give you forgiveness of sins. Only Jesus can. And if you look at Islam and Hinduism and, and Buddhism, they're all what's called works righteousness religions. They think you have to do something to merit eternal life. And the thing that makes the big difference is that moral law. When that law, those commandments come into play, they teach us that God is the ultimate judge and that you and I are criminals who have transgressed his law. So anything we offer God, anything we offer the judge in the era of in the area of religious works or good works are not good works. They're an attempt to bribe the judge of the universe. Mm. God will not be bribed by our good works. The only thing that can save us is the mercy of God. And that's what happened through the cross. The judge himself came down, paid the fine in the courtroom so that you and I could have our case dismissed. That's what Christianity is. That's what the good news is, the Amen. gospel. That God paid the fine in Christ so we could leave the courtroom so God could grant us everlasting life. So the gospel is good news for the Hindu, the Buddhist, the Muslim, that you don't have to do all these things, that eternal life is a free gift of God. Simply repent and trust the God-given Savior. That's the I good news. That. I've never heard it as far as a bribery. I like that analogy. I thought that was really good. On the few minutes we have left, um, I would love to hear about how to be free from the fear of death. My dad is elderly. He's almost 90. Uh, he's had a lot of issues going into the hospital, as well as we have some friends uh, that have loved ones with COVID in the hospital. Could you share with us about that book? Yes. Um, book of Hebrews, chapter 2, says that all humanity is haunted by the fear of death all their lifetime. That's from the Amplified Bible. All their lifetime, they are fearful of death. And it's so true. When I was a seven or eight-year-old kid, I used to play wars with my friends on the beach in the, in the sand hills. Someone would shoot me, I'd die for about 10 seconds, get up and run off to live again and shoot someone else. But as time got on, I realized there's a bullet waiting for me and I wasn't going to get up. As part of the ultimate statistic, 10 out of 10 die. And so that fear of death, or to put it conversely, the will to live caused me to cry out, why is this going to happen? It's like I'm in a line. People are stepping off a cliff, thousand foot cliff, and I'm leaning out saying, I wonder if there's a way I can get out of this line. And there is. The Bible says Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So when we repent and trust in him, something happens, something massive, something huge. God puts his life in us. He is life eternal. The Holy Spirit comes in us. We are sealed. And in that, we overcome death. And this is how we overcome the fear of death. If you're on the edge of a plane, 10,000 feet up, you have to jump. Without a parachute, are you going to be fearful? Absolutely. A horror beyond words. Breathtakingly horrific. Jumping without a parachute, hitting the ground at 120 miles an hour. But if someone gives you a parachute that your mother packed, it's going to open. It's a reliable parachute. 
How does that change things? Well, it changes everything. Now you're not going to hit the ground at 120 miles an hour on your face. You're going to land at about 12 miles an hour on your feet. On your feet. That parachute gives the ability, gives you the ability to control your fears. And you'll be fearful as much as you don't trust the parachute. If you don't trust the parachute, you're going to be fearful. If you trust that parachute 100%, you will have no fear. You go, whoa, this is going to be an experience. Whoa, I'm jumping. Where you go? No fear because you trust the parachute. And when we put on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we trust in him, our fear will be in direct proportion when we pass through death as to how much faith we have in him. If we trust him with all our heart and don't lean to our own understanding, we'll have no fear. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. And so as a Christian, and I'm 73 this year, I might hardly make out this, I might not make it to the end of this interview. Yes, when I you pass will. through death, <laughs> my fear will be as big as my faith. If I have little faith, I'll have big fear. If I have great faith in Jesus, which I do have, I'll have no fear. So being a Christian means you can control your fears and not only have uh, victory over the fear of death, but over the power of death itself because of what God did through the cross. Mm, amen. Now, I know that listening to those words is powerful, but there, I know there's still some people out there that have a great fear of death. What would be your words of advice to them? Get right with God. <clears throat> Confess and forsake your sins. Read the Sermon on the Mount. Go through the Ten Commandments as Jesus did. If you've lusted, you've committed adultery in your heart. If you had sex before marriage, you're a fornicator. If you've lied or stolen, you're a lying thief. If you've ever used God's name in vain, I would ask you this question. Would you ever use your mother's name as a cuss word? Hit your thumb with a hammer. Would you say her name instead of S-H? Would you equate the two? And say, I'd never do that. That would be disrespectful. And you've done it with the holy name of God. You've used his name in the place of a cuss word, which is called blasphemy. So serious, it's punishable by death. And if on judgment day, those commandments come out, there'll be great cannons pointed at you and you'll end up in hell. The Bible promises that justly. So what should you do? Repent and trust in Jesus who took the punishment for the sin of the world. We broke God's law. Jesus paid the fine. If you're in court, you've got speeding fines, someone else can pay it, and the judge can let you go even though you're guilty. And God can let us go even though we're guilty, and God can legally forgive our sins because of what Jesus did on the cross. He can take the death sentence off us, let us live forever legally, all because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, and paying our fine, satisfying that law. Then Jesus rose from the dead, defeated death, and if you'll simply repent of your sins, don't just confess them, but confess and forsake them, be genuine in your, in your repentance, and trust in Jesus like you trust a parachute, the moment you do that, you've got a promise from the God who cannot lie that he'll forgive your sins in an instant and grant everlasting life. So the kicker, the fruit of genuine conversion is that you'll receive the gift of faith. The Bible says that. We, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. And so as a Christian, I don't well up belief. I simply trust. And that faith I have is a gift from God. And that's what will help you overcome your fears. That's what will help you overcome your fear of death, the faith that God gives. So be genuine in your repentance. Be genuine in your trust in God's promises. Don't insult him with unbelief. And you'll find your faith will begin to explode and grow as you trust the Lord. 
I mean, amen. That is such good news. I think everybody needs to hear that. As a matter of fact, I will to the first five listeners that write in at himforher.org, put the word, um, the name of the book on there, which is how to be free from the fear of death. And I will send you a free book to the first five people who write in. Everybody needs to hear this great news. So my question to you is, you have a beautiful family and a wife. Um, Do they go out on the streets ever with you and evangelize as well? Yes, they do. Sometimes not as much as I'd like. But I've got to be careful because I am a crazy, fanatic, on-fire Christian, and I don't want to make them feel bad. But my daughter uh, really has a zeal for the Lord. Uh, My sons work for our ministry. My wife is the perfect wife, made for comfort. She's only 4'11". She really looks up to me. Um, but I got three kids, one of each. But they're grown with children. I'm a great-grandfather. Great-grandfather. Wow. Yeah, You're looking me. good, Ray, for a great-grandfather. Way I'm to go. Up. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, and, and those of you who are out there uh, who have kids that might not be believers, what words of advice do you have for them? Oh, um, don't lead your children in a sinner's prayer when they're six, three, or five. Anyone can get a decision from kids. You give me a hundred kids in a room and I can have them all making decisions for Jesus within 30 seconds. Say, how many kids would like to live forever? Want to go to heaven? Anyone? Oh, all of you. How many want to give your hearts to Jesus? Oh, all of you, except Tommy down the back is not listening. And you can get a hundred decisions or 99 decisions and they're not genuinely converted. And so what happens is you get a decision from kids when they're like that age, they'll stay in Sunday school until they notice that, Girls are a better shape than Noah's Ark, and that (laughs) sexual urge begins to kick in, and you'll lose them when they're teenagers. No, you want to teach them the fear of the Lord when they're they're children. Bring them up in the the nurture of the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Teach them how to fear God. We've got a book called How to Lead Your Children to Christ and Keep Them There. It brings out these principles of having family devotions and how to to, um, teach the fear of the Lord without terrifying your kids. You just all you do is hold an egg up and let it drop on the ground in front of your refrigerator and say, kids, what happened? And they say, well, the egg hit the ground. But you know what really happened? Gravity pulled it down. It's the law of God. And if you fall down from, you know, 100 feet, that'll happen to you. That's what happened to the egg. Fearful things all around us, these laws that God's created. Say so there's another law called the law of sin and death, and it's just as harsh or even harsher than gravity. The soul that sins, it shall die. And you teach them that lust brings forth sin. And sin, when it's conceived, brings forth death. And with that knowledge, when they hit their teenage years, those sins that so easily beget them drive them to the foot of the cross. And that's what we should do. Train up our children the way they should go. So when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Friends, you can find that book, which sounds fabulous, um, at thelivingwaters.com. They also have uh, just a plethora of information. They've got tracks on there. They have books on there. You can find out how to be a student. Um, You can also follow along with their YouTube channel with a lot of their great shows that they do. And, you know, it's just so powerful. Ray, how can we be praying for you and your family as we close? Oh, continued health for my family would be wonderful. Uh, it's always good to have good health. But pray for our, especially our YouTube channel, in these dark times of COVID, to have access to literally millions of people around the world uh, thrills our heart as a ministry that God would allow us to be involved in such a thing. But it really grieves me that it's only millions where there are billions in the world. So we want our YouTube channel to explode and reach literally billions across the world. So praying that way would be very helpful. 
Well, and during COVID for people as well, I think that they tune in even more uh, and listen to YouTube and to podcasts, et cetera. And again, you can find everything at livingwaters.com. Mr. Ray Comfort, thank you so much for coming on with us. It has been my bucket list guest, guest you are. I'm so thankful that you came on. And would you please come again and keep us updated on anything that you're doing new in your ministry? Yeah, well, please make that another bucket list so you won't kick the bucket between now and then. I <laughs> know we want everybody to keep going. Friends, my name is Sugbury, and a big thanks to Ray Comfort. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey, ladies, this is Sugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies, and each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony how they receive Christ in their life. This is Suge Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.